welcome to another installment of Very Exhausted Majors. Oh, man. I'm Liam Sr. I had to chase a cat around a house for like 40 minutes trying to get it back into the house. (laughs) And it was not fun. And the cat does not like me anymore. Oh, no. I think maybe cats just don't like you because you told that story during Self-Care Corner about the feral cat that got mad at you. Well, they just ran away. You should have had me there because me with my animal magnetism would have had that cat just purring, purring. Some might say like a kitten. No, no. See, this cat likes to be outside but has a harness with a leash so that it can't do what it did, which is get into the (laughs) abandoned house next door that they're filming some weird movie at. And I had to coax it out of the gate fence because cats are nimble and have no bones or whatever. Nobody hates, nobody hates anything more than cats hate leashes. Fact. Yeah, true. This is fact, true. science fact. I have never been able to get this harness on a cat. Yet the owner has shown me that it can be done and walked yeah. the cat around the house. You know what it's all about, Liam? You just gotta it be, you just gotta like, you, one, show no fear. No fear. Right, no fear. Two, only love all like an embarrassing amount of love to the point where the cat will be upset with you but will begrudgingly let you touch it all right lilu this is media majors <laughs> a podcast about media i'm liam senior i like movies and tv and i'm tom lockney and i like video games and the internet and every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other and tell it to you in your ears wait, i've been making all of my stories up oh fuck oh shit oh no oh no <laughs> Serial. Okay. We actually created a fictional podcast. Tom, I believe you're going first this week. Yes. Yes, I am. As per the accords of the Great Media Majors Treaty of August 15th, 2016. (laughs) Chapter one. My podcast, my podcast, and me. Ooh. Interesting. In 2010, three brothers, Justin, Travis, and Griffin McElroy start a comedy advice podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, or shortened to Mabim Bam. Mabim Bam. To be honest with you, it starts out kind of rough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and, and like, no, this is not no shade here. Uh, Liam and I also have experience with yeah. this sometimes. Yeah, 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 Bunch yeah. of white dudes talking into a microphone on the internet say gross shitty things they now regret. Uh, the McElroys themselves have spoken openly about this most recently on an episode of Merritt Kay's talk podcast, Woodland Secrets. Uh, you all sometimes make like joking references to the early parts of Mabim Bam. Um, I think like there's been warnings like a few times, like do not go back and listen to the first episodes. <laughs> um, I, I legit like want to put out, um, I know there's, there's one other podcast that did this and I can't remember who it is. Um, but like an episode zero that like shows up in the feed, just like, Hey, um, so <laughs> we didn't, we fucked, we fucked up. Hi, new fans. Maybe you heard about <laughs> us. Maybe you heard about us from our TV show or, um, because you saw a tweet from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, that's cool. Welcome to the show. Just episode 150 is a good starting point, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I joke about it, but I I also like, I'm kind of humiliated about it. Inevitably, the Mackle boys stepped on the wrong toes, or should I say pause? Oh no. After a bit dedicated to mocking furries, uh, my bim bam furry listeners emailed the podcast to let the McElroys know that they had said some shitty whack shit and educate them on the nuances and humanity of the furry community. 
the McElroys, bucking the trend of white dudes on the internet reacting to criticism, actually take these comments to heart and make a concerted effort to enact positive personal change. This ethos would go on to become an integral part of the podcast, as well as just their theoretical approach to comedy. They, they, they try very hard to be inclusive. The term is punching up. Yeah, exactly. In a Q&A session with TV Insider, the McElroys were asked, how do you build a brand that revolves around positivity and compassion and comedy? And here were their answers. Bricks. Quote, you fuck up a whole lot when you start doing a podcast, and you hear from people who really, really, really like you, who let you know very politely that you hurt their feelings and ostracize them, and then you stop doing it. And then after enough of those, you kind of stop doing it to everybody, or you try your fucking best to. Literally, that's it. I think it's easy to get defensive, but I always felt so miserable when I heard, I'm a big fan of yours and I hurt my feelings. Uh, Travis, quote, when someone tells you, hey, what you just did hurt me, you have two options. One is to say, like, you're wrong and I didn't do anything wrong. Or your other option is to say, okay, well, if you feel that way, let me take a step back and really look at what I did. Do that second one every time, end quote. But Bim Bam, as well as the many spinoffs, have become the gold standard for inclusive internet comedy created by straight cis white men. Chapter two, Tasmanian Devil. Oh, God, oh man, even I knew that one wasn't good, and I still <sighs> said it. This is this is a uh, yeah. Because I'm a professional. <laughs> I've got a Taz impression locked, locked and loaded, ready to go at all times. One such spinoff of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is The Adventure Zone. See, in mid-2014, Justin and Sidney McElroy had a baby, and when that happens, the rest of your life sort of gets put on hold for a minute. Just one minute. 60 whole seconds. <laughs> Wh- wherein the birth takes place. Yeah. Then you throw it out with the bathwater, <laughs> as the oh, saying no. goes. Oh, God. Throw your wet baby out. Ew. Ew. Gross. <laughs> went so sour so quickly oh man we're we're like we're like yogurt this podcast if you leave us out too long we'll get sour so quick so to fill the inevitable content void created by the birth of the wonderful charlie gale McElroy, the brothers decide to record what is initially conceived as a one-off mabim bam bonus where the brothers play dungeons and dragons with their father clint McElroy. Griffin McElroy acts as DM to three adventurers, Merle, Magnus, and Taco, played by Clint, Travis, and Justin, respectively. respectively. Yes. The show has since evolved into its own standalone spinoff and is now easily one of the most popular shows in the McElroy oeuvre, largely due to the extraordinary character work done by the McElroys. Has it inspired these two hosts and their friends to form a D&D group? I don't know. You fucking better believe it. It's just not certain. Am I the DM of the group because I am God in my own universe? I just don't know. Merle began as a sort of nasty, bad person, but has since evolved into a doofy old man attempting to make up for being just sort of a lifelong deadbeat. Magnus was initially a violent buffoon with an extremely dark backstory, and now he's more of a reckless buffoon with a simply tragic backstory. Taco is basically just a goof, pure and simple. Taco, are you, no, Taco is like one of the most magical things to have ever happened to the medium of podcasting. True, but at first he was just a joke, 
Justin played him like an idiot, and yep. his name—I mean, his name was a joke. It was—it was once his quest to create the taco in the fictional universe of the game. Uh, since then, he's evolved into this extremely competent, aloof, humorous gay man. Real talk, I'm like wicked attracted to Taco. <laughs> Did Taco come out? Yeah, Taco is explicit. I mean, he's gone on dates with. Uh, oh uh, God, you're right. You're right. Wow, yeah. I am not paying attention. Uh, it's my favorite podcast. But there's something beautiful about how selfish Taco is. Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. The rabid fan base has taken this audio narrative framework and run with it, creating animations, music, and most importantly, fan art. So much fan art. Yeah, Jesus Christ. As with any fan art, depictions of Merle, Magnus, and Taco differ, differ wildly, featuring different races and even genders. This is common practice for any piece of media. We've we've talked about this before, and actually we've kind of talked about what this story is leading to before on earlier episodes of this podcast, but... Episode 7 uh, is where it all began, so check yeah. out the Steven Universe story. I'd say episode 7 was our first awesome episode. Yes. The McElroys themselves have frequently stated that all fan depictions of Taz characters are valid as their acted representations are purely audio-based. And this was, for most, a perfectly reasonable balance. Until, in late 2016, the boys announce a Taz graphic novel. And, and this shouldn't be taken lightly, as adding a visual element to the Taz canon is significant. But, unfortunately, we're still at a time where lots of fans simply just don't know how to engage with creators. They don't. Which leads to chapter 3. Par for the discourse. Oh, Jesus. Swish. No. Not a swish. You threw it with one arm and hit an orphan in the crowd in the face. Now, nah, I did that. I did that thing that Sigourney Weaver actually did in Alien 4 where she one hand throws a basketball behind her and fucking nothing but net. No. That didn't happen. You threw new. No, it actually fucking no, 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 happened. No, no, no. Though. That oh. happened to you. You threw a basketball and hit Newt in the face, killing her. Oh yeah, that's what you just did. I threw a grenade up a hill and it rolled back down to me. <laughs> um, I don't really want to get a specific callback. <laughs> so I don't really want to get bogged down too heavily in the nitty gritty of the discourse because that's actually not what I want the story to be about. Um, especially also because fuck me, it's been discoursed to death. However, mm -hmm. it's necessary to understanding the full context of the approaching discussion. So here's a quick rundown. Initial designs of Merle, Magnus, and Taco were all white. People were unhappy about this and voiced their opinions. The McElroys listened and agreed that yes, this ran counter to the inclusion, to the inclusive mission statement of both the Adventure Zone and the McElroy brand of comedy. They and the design team went back to the drawing board and changed the designs. On June 1st, uh, 1st, 2nd, the publisher of the upcoming Taz graphic novel revealed the new designs for Merle, Taco, and Magnus. Merle is now a brown-skinned man. Or dwarf, I guess. Dwarf. Taco is pale blue and Magnus remains white. The community got pissed the fuck off about this and, of course, let the McElroys know. So... Liam, ask me questions why they might be mad, and I'll try to answer them in the McElroy's words drafted in a write-up post on the uh, the Adventure Zone Tumblr. Why are people upset that Merle is now brown-skinned? Quote, 
Yesterday, we heard from folks who said it was problematic that we made Merle Brown, considering that he's a backstory where he was, more or less, a deadbeat dad. That's a harsh boiling down of the character, but the criticism absolutely has merit. We didn't think of that when we decided on Merle's new design, end quote. Why are people upset that Taco is pale blue? Quote, there are listeners and fans who want us to, in pursuit of better representation, make Taco a canonically Latinx or Mexican character. The result of that decision would be that Justin had made a Mexican character that he named after tacos, whose quest was to make a taco, and who spent the first half of the campaign stealing everything that wasn't nailed to the ground. End quote. Why are people upset that Magnus remained white? Uh, again, just general diversity, but their reasoning behind not making Magnus a person of color was, quote, If we gave Magnus dark skin... And then he spent the campaign being the more physical, more aggressive, less intellectual member of his team. There are issues there. End quote. A few other points to discuss. Many folks, both the McElroys and fan artists, have been accused of erasure. Some have said that in allowing all representations to be valid, fan artists are erasing the canon identities of those characters, e.g. if Taco, a canonically or a canonical gay, is depicted in a romantic situation position with a female character, that that somehow erases his gay identity. This same logic has also been racially applied, albeit with like a slightly different angle. As stated by the McElroys, much of Taco's depictions have been Latinx. It is one of the most popular racial depictions of Taco. So if someone depicts him as white, people claim that that erases Taco's popular identity. And I don't think that it's helpful to be totally dismissive of those criticisms. Because, I mean, as the McElroy said, there are things to think about here and that are true. Not sharing them would perhaps result in an exclusive product. However, like, y'all, we gotta talk about how fans interface with creators in the modern age. Because a lot of this expression has been just straight up toxic. Some, uh, and by some I mean proportionally some, have accused them of being willfully dishonest, misleading, and a whole number of reprehensible things. And kind of fuck that. This isn't a situation where you're criticizing a corporation, a massive sprawling entity whose literal only priority is profit. You're criticizing individual human beings. And not just criticizing them, but accusing them, again, of some pretty reprehensible stuff. This is the reality of small-scale creators. You are engaging with them, often directly. They don't have a PR team or somebody with distance from the content to field criticism. They are, they are looking at it with their real human eyes. <laughs> you, you look and say, what are their personal attitudes? What is their history of executing unsaid attitudes? Uh, I think this second one is especially important because you know we all know how many people say sorry and then don't actually change. For example, if I had to pull a name out of my hat of a personality-based content creator who fucked up recently. Huh. I don't know. Let's just say Bill Maher. Oh, God. Fuck him, by the way. He's the worst. His apology for using the N-word means nothing. It's, 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 fuck, it's used toilet paper, for all I care. I can't believe I, ha I have to say this in 2017 or that anybody else does. Hey, white people, don't use the fucking N-word. And don't compare yourself to... That's what I fucking was floored about it was yeah, that it was oh a God. joke at he was like it was just a joke but it had no context for like even the context of saying that joke it's like you just made a slave joke out of nowhere yeah Bill Murray you've got a net worth of 30 million you're practically a slave go fuck yourself because he has a history of being a smug little shit and his apologies meaning nothing and him just like 
not giving a fuck. And that's a little different because th- that's not a fictional work, but but hopefully you see my point. His entire show is based around him giving his takes. You are allowed to very directly say, hey, that thing was fucked up. It is a direct response to a direct expression of someone's personal views. Or 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 maybe for like a hopefully less extreme example of this program that you're listening to right now. Like I've I've said shit on early episodes of Media Majors that is like no bones about it, just like reprehensible and whack. And and one day, like, we're probably gonna get an email that was like, Hey, Tom, you were like super mean and said like a shitty thing in episode two. Fuck you. And like that's that's on me. Like that is a line that I've crossed and I can't take that back. The McElroys and I hope that we have have like worked towards positive change in a way that's that is not exhibited by somebody like Bill Maher. But when you make these like bad faith accusation accusations, there is there is a human toll that you are taking. Um and a lot of people feel that. A lot of fans in the modern era feel that modern era modern era feel like they have some ownership over a work of fiction and in this case that there there is a modicum of truth to that because the McElroys have explicitly handed some of that ownership to the fans hey your your representations are valid but there is a certain extent to which you you as a fan kind of have to let go and 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 leave the reins the creative reins to the creators um they've they've talked about this they have said we did not anticipate this becoming what it has and when we started we approached it from our perspective as straight white cis men and as such have kind of dug our own graves and resulted in damned if you do damned if you don't situations as with taco where they want to make him a person of color but if they do there are some problematic tropes that they have used in building that character that would perhaps result in negative representation and when a situation like that arises where there is no right answer the the correct response is not to go hey fuck you when it is an individual content creator you especially you... those who are very open on their various platforms yeah and like you know are very inclusive to their fan bases you such have as the brothers McElroy's. exactly you have to engage with it on a level of good faith this just sucks because they feel so awful about it i would recommend reading the post that they made on their tumblr on the the adventure zone tumblr i i i i uh like the new designs um, I like, yeah, I've always pictured Taco as having like blue or green skin, very pale blue or green skin. Anyways, that's sort of. Uh, what do you think of the designs? I like them. Yeah. I you know I mean I I am glad that they're putting more people of color in their uh, graphic novel and that they're using their canon for representation. I mean, just think of all the other characters that we'll get to see. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't affect the graphic novel from coming out because I would quite enjoy reading it. And this is a balance I think that we've tried to strike on this show when we do discoursey episodes like this, like with the uh, when you do discoursey episodes. This I just true. tell stories about murder and that's yeah. pretty much it. 
like on the horny discourse episode or the OJ sex toy episode, we try to provide a, at least a, a little bit of separation between the actions of the people and the, the issues that uh, those actions invoked and the discussions that that sparked. Cause when somebody fucks up in good faith, you know, it's, it's healthy and good to criticize them and to talk about why they might've fucked up, but it is, perhaps not helpful to descend upon them like say the hunger in the adventure zone okay so that's my story for the week is that there is 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 there's discourse surrounding the macaroys and it's good that these issues are getting talked about but the way that they're being talked about is not necessarily the healthiest and that maybe fans need to think a little more about how they engage with creators and their work we'll be right back but first a little something something from the major cast network to take you into the next 30 seconds or so enjoy hi there i'm eric mcadams i host the podcast big time whoopsies a podcast about incompetence on a grand scale every other wednesday on the major cast network or wherever podcasts are downloaded please listen please please that was a smooth jam from the Major Casts Network. Mm. One of my favorite bands. Let's let's calm the fuck down. Yeah, let's pivot here. It's not all serious discourse on this show. We sometimes like to have a few laughs. This one doesn't have a title. It will have a title at the end, but I don't want to hmm. tip my hand. Nameless but baby. it does have chapter names. Well, I, you do chapters. I do parts. Part one. Which came first? The chicken. Oh, okay. Gallus, Gallus domesticus, is a type of domesticated fowl, a subspecies of the red jungle fowl. Ooh. Genetic studies have pointed to multiple maternal origins in Southeast Asia, East Asia, and South Asia. But with the clade found in America's Europe, the Middle East, and Africa originating in the um, Indian subcontinent. So, uh... Chickens, that type of jungle fowl, it seems, uh, were spread out all over the world. From India, the domesticated chicken was imported to Lydia in Western Asia Minor and to Greece by the 5th century BC. Fowl has been known in Egypt since the mid-15th century BC with the bird that gives birth every day having come to Egypt from the <laughs> land between Syria and Shinar, That's Babylonia. That's a fucking good-ass name. Yeah, according according to the animals of Thutmose the Third. So we've been domesticating chickens since oh, the fucking sun has been rotating our dumb rock. Yeah, humans suck. We're the we're just the or half of our species just the the people that give birth every nine months. We need to get on chickens level. Actually no we don't. That would be horrifying. Oh what are you god. Saying? In 2011-2012, there were roughly 7 billion people in the world, and the average consumption was 14.5 kilograms of chicken per person per year. 14.5 kilograms. Can you give me, like, can you give me, like, a visual? So, you know like, how a, many... So, Tom, how many... You, know, you, know, you know a gram? Yes. So, it's a, I think it's, like, a thousand. I think it's, like, a thousand of those. Holy shit. That's is how heavy... Chicken. That's how much chicken um, oh one person God. consumes per year. What if you just had a cube of chicken that size and, oh, man, I would just spend all day slapping it. <laughs> this just, like, wet, giant cube stop, of chicken. Stop, 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 stop this. 
stop God. this right i know i'm, I'm sp- sorry I know the rule everybody of i can't help it if i'm a disgusting cretin okay i have to bring it to this podcast and in my life every day i know the rule of comedy is yes and but i'm gonna no stop you right there slapping the chicken the size of that cloaca if a chicken is roughly about five pounds about 55 million chickens are eaten each day fuck each day that is so that's oh man that's kind of the world eats chicken yeah part two true facts a colonel arises (gasps) colonel harland david sanders born september 9th 1890 was an American businessman best known for founding fast food chicken restaurant chain Kentucky Fried Chicken, now known as KFC, and later acting as the company's brand ambassador and symbol. The Bucket Zone. Hey, Liam, do you want to go to the Bucket Zone? Uh, no. I want to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) You know why uh, KFC is served in buckets? Uh, because they're disgusting? It's so you have something to throw up in after you eat. Oh, God. That's That's an old joke. That's so vile. Old joke. I think it's a Neil Hamburger joke. His name and image are still symbols of the company. Sanders held a number of jobs in his early life, such as steam engineer stoker, insurance salesman, and filling station operator. During the Great Depression, he worked at a gas station and that he later owned, and he started selling fried chicken out of the little corner shop of that gas station. It was super-duper popular. This was in North Corbin, Kentucky, and he realized that he had the potential to franchise a restaurant based on this concept, and the first KFC franchise opened in Utah in 1952. Uh, They had a rampant expansion in the U.S. and overseas, and by 64, he sold the company to a group of investors for $2 million. Literally, literally just a bunch of suits. Like that episode of Jimmy Neutron where the the jeans come to life. Got a blast. But he stayed on with the company, not only on the board of directors, but in various commercials. And he also helped invent a lot of the technology used to cook chicken quickly, uh, cook and fry the chicken quickly. After being recommissioned as a Kentucky colonel in 1950 by Governor Lawrence Weatherby, oh my God, Sanders began to dress the part, growing a goatee and wearing a black frock coat, later switching to the traditional white suit, a string tie, and referring to himself as Colonel. Oh, man. His associates went along with the title change, jokingly at first, and then in earnest, according to his biographer, Josh Ozersky. <sighs> he never wore anything else in public during the last 20 years of his life. Okay. He motherfucker lived to be 90. God. This is the most fucking extra dude of all time. He bleached his mustache and goatee to match his white hair. Oh my god. That, I mean, like, commit to the bit, dude. Jesus. One of the people who worked for KFC, he had, like, his own franchise with Dave Thomas, who would eventually go off and found Wendy's. Hmm. So, a uh, little bit of, um, of a fast food family. So, uh, Sanders was diagnosed with acute leukemia in June 1980, and he died at the Jewish Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky of pneumonia on December 16th, 1980, at the age of 90. Oh. Sander had remained active until the month before his death, appearing in his white suit to crowds for the company. Man, that's that's a fucking commitment. When mm-hmm. you're 90, when you're 90 actual 90. human years old and you have leukemia. And you're like, yep, 
Gotta get on my suit, gotta wax mustache, give it that little bleach again. Sometimes I can hardly get out of bed in the morning, and this guy's like 90 fucking years old. Wearing a fucking wool suit in the winter and being like, I've been a colonel as long as I can remember. Living the bit. And 90. He probably didn't eat that much fried chicken. (laughs) I gotta, I gotta suck up all the grease from the bottom of my buckets with a straw. We use the leftover grease buckets to power our jalopy. Part three. The grease Only. makes okay. it real easy to slide into my suit. <laughs> I'm Colonel Sanders, and it's just I'm under, underneath my white satins. I'm just a big old greasy rash. Fits me, fat Colonel Sanders. <laughs> my body elicits enough chicken grease that I can actually get through any small doorway without having to butter my own body. This is how I eat now. I eat by osmosing <laughs> the, the chicken grease. We lay a little chicken grease on a pillow, and he just kind of rolls around, and it just mm. gets sucked into his skin. It works for him. God, what a disgusting vision we've created. Part three, only two ninety nine. <laughs> During the 1920s, White Castle was the first fast food chain to advertise in newspapers. Uh, it would later go on to also promote itself on, ra- on radio in the 30s. Most of its advertising was targeted at the working class, and this changed during the 50s when White Castle sponsored an entire television show, The Cactus and Randy Show. I don't even know, but, like, that's an amazing title. But since then, fast food companies has, have used television to promote their tasty, fattening propaganda to all over the world. And KFC was all over that, like chicken crease all over our fictional Colonel Sanders. (laughs) KFC began to advertise nationwide from 1966 with a U.S. television budget of four million bucks. In order to fund nationwide advertising campaigns, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Advertising Co-op was established. In 68, the budget was increased to nine million. By 2013, the budget for a KFC commercial is around 60 million. Oh my god. That's how much that co-op has. God. Colonel Sanders was a key component of KFC advertising until his death in the 80s. He made several appearances in various B-movies and television programs of the period, uh, old shows like What's My Line and I've Got a Secret. He was described as the greatest PR man I have ever known. Uh, Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, credits Sanders appealed to the fact that he stood for values that people understood and liked. Eating chicken out of a goddamn bucket. Since his death, Sanders has remained as a key symbol of the company and in an international symbol of hospitality. In 1994, KFC hired actor Henderson Forsyth to portray the Colonel in a television campaign entitled The Colonel's Way. I mean, if you're going to hire anybody to, to portray the Colonel, a uh, man named Forsyth, probably a good choice. The $18.4 million campaign... Fuck me. God used black and white visuals and was deemed un- unsuccessful and was ended. So they tried to replace the colonel and it didn't work. 18.4 million. Oh, that's so much money for anything. Yeah. From May 1998, an animated version of the colonel, boisterously voiced by Randy Quaid, was no, used for fu- television advertisements. No way. KFC Chief Concept Officer Jeff Moody said they provide a fresh fresh way to communicate our relevance to today's consumers. Yeah, by hiring Randy fucking Quaid. A little chicken music, please. By Randy fucking Quaid. 
The animated <laughs> kernel was dropped in 2001 in the U.S. <laughs> I'm sorry. You've seen... I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to pause the story, but you have seen the video where yes, Randy, Randy Quaid, Quaid fucks his, his wife while his wife is wearing a mask of Randy Quaid. Oh, my God. We'll talk about Randy Quaid one day. We'll oh, get to do a whole I Randy Quaid episode, and it's going to be wonderful. So after that, they kind of just made normal commercials. And then something weird happened. Howdy, folks. It's me, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I've been going for a while, and boy, howdy, have things changed. May 2015, Daryl Hammond began playing a live-action Colonel Sanders in the KFC commercials. Daryl Hammond is the longest-running player on SNL, a uh, master impressionist. He was Bill Clinton for a while. He's done so many uh, people. He's the current, like, voice guy. That, uh, it's Saturday Night Live with Bobby Moynihan, a piece of toast. That guy. <laughs> and um, I think next season... Keenan Thompson is going to replace him as the longest-running cast member. Three months later, KFC launched a new campaign with comedian Norm MacDonald portraying Sanders. Ah, our good friend and Norm. And the, first, uh, and the first of that campaign makes direct references to Daryl Hammond's campaign. Howdy, folks. It's me, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> hey, that's not the real Colonel Sanders. I'm the real Colonel Sanders. This is how you sell chicken. In February 2016, Jim Gaffigan began playing the Colonel. Oh my God, that's a really good pick. And hit Jim Gaffigan's ads were stating that Norm Macdonald was the imposter, and Norm Macdonald's ads were stating that Daryl Hammond was the imposter. I refuse to let you take away KFC's Nashville hot chicken with its delicious spicy smoky flavor. Well, it was always just a limited time offer, Colonel. Uh, well, uh, no more Nashville hot chicken, no more Colonel. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? It's not like you can find another Colonel, right? <laughs> really? I mean, I haven't even been doing it that long. George Hamilton began appearing as the Extra Crispy Colonel in July 2016. Hey there, folks. It's me, the Extra Crispy Colonel. George Hamilton is an old actor and is now famous for just being very, very tan and leathery. Uh, Norm MacDonald <laughs> and Jim Gaffigan are both comedians, if people don't know. But there was no referencing of Gaffigan's colonel. Mm. So then, in September of 2016, comedian and comedic actor Rob Riggle became oh appearing as God. Colonel Sanders, now the coach of the fictitious Kentucky Buckets football team, with no transition between what the, the previous colonels. happening? Introducing the all-new KFC $10 chicken share with nine chicken tenders or popcorn nuggets. Now get out there and have fun. Woo, let's go. It's finger licking good. So the next take on it was a younger heartthrob colonel uh, doing like 50s rock and roll. Who how did do you we, get to play how the colonel How do we appeal then? to these millennials? Hang on a second. Let me, get, let, me get, let me do the voice work. How do we appeal to these? <laughs> wow. Love it. How do we, How do we appeal, appeal to, to these, these millennials? little millennials, these hot little oh, millennials? Oh, God. How do we appeal to these millennials? You know how? Take that colonel, make him fuckable. The fuckable colonel. Oh, so who would, you get, who would you get to play a young 50s Buddy Holly colonel? A young 50s Buddy Holly colonel Kurt Russell. 
Sorry, I'm I'm in my own head as yeah, to you're, hot you're in your right own now. thing, my friend. Okay, yeah. they got uh, Vincent Carthizer, <laughs> Pete from Mad Men. Oh, okay. To play the young Colonel, who you only really see on album covers. Very confusing. Wait, album covers? They release music. No, in the world of the commercials, it's set in the fifties, oh, and you only see Vincent Carthizer as. Colonel Sanders on like album cover, like vinyl I don't need covers. to. I don't need to get into like the KFCU here, okay? So you you think after six colonels at this point, they're they got to be done there, right? They just keep, but they just keep killing them. Fuck you, wrong. January 2017, Billy Zane began to appear oh as Gold yes. Colonel Sanders to promote the new Georgia Gold flavored chicken. William Zane. I don't know. It's finger-licking gold. Oh, it's these head-to-toe-in gold. Okay, so at this point, we've got uh, impersonator and comedian Daryl Hammond. That makes sense. Yeah. Comedian Norm MacDonald. Also makes sense. Comedian Jim Gaffigan. Peak yeah. Colonel His whole thing Sanders. is bits about food. Crispy Colonel George Hamilton. I guess. I get it. It's weird. Hot fuckable. And then that hot fuckable Colonel. Vincent well, let's be honest here. They're all hot fuckable colonels. Very true. But it's very strange. And now we've got head-to-toe gold Billy Zane as Billy. the gold colonel. You think they're done there? Abs- absolutely not, Liam, and I certainly Fuck hope you they again. Are. They're not even close to done. Awesome. Just kidding. This is the last one. In April oh. 2017, KFC released a campaign featuring Colonel Sanders as an astronaut giving a JFK speech spoof homage about oh launching the Zinger chicken sandwich into space. The Colonel was played by Rob Lowe. The time has come to explore beyond our known horizons. To push KFC's spicy crispy chicken to new heights. Sure, there'll be questions like why? Oh, wow, huh? Yeah, that's, I guess, a choice. I don't know. Not a big Rob Lowe guy myself. Gotta say. KFC CMO, Chief Marketing Officer Kevin Hotchman, told PR Week, The plan was always to rotate colonels. We always thought of it like James Bond, the actor that dons the white (laughs) suit, brings something of his own to the actual character. Uh, Although the rotating real Colonel Sanders campaigns have generated mixed reviews, analysts and company executives credit it with helping to boost sales. And if you remember, so before these ads, the last like big advertisement things that KFC was doing was they would put the food up first and it would be like the chicken sandwich where the bread was made out of fried chicken and you just see people eating it or that horrible, we threw everything in a bowl for you, fat fatty (laughs) fatums, eat up you dum dum. Another KFC ad person has also said on record, kids love meta advertising. (laughs) Fuck off. I hate advertisers so much. Part five. Yuck a doodle do. <laughs> Charger names are my favorite part of the podcast now. Same. KFC is kind of trying to sanitize Sanders' image, even though in this day and age, uh, when many people glorify the role of an entrepreneur, it doesn't need a comic cleansing. Harlan Sanders had a string of super failed businesses. He left his first family in the dust. Ooh. He had a temper that caused him to brawl with associates. Oh, yikes. 
That's probably how he was able to keep kicking it until 90, despite the fact that he fucking leukemia, is because he was he just had that fighting spirit. Yeah. So yeah, KFC has always been trying to kind of sanitize Sanders' image uh, to this Sandersize? day. Sandersize? his image. He also was responsible for the deaths of, like, thousands upon billions of chickens. Oh, okay. I thought you were ah, going to say gotcha. human beings. <laughs> no. Just, just chicks. Just chickies. And that is the story of KFC's weird attempt to make Colonel Sanders a real spectacle. They're James Bond. <laughs> That's so weird. Ain't it? Ever? Why do you? I mean. It's finger licking weird. You're KFC. Why do you have to advertise? Everybody knows who you are anyways. Why do you have know. to advertise with se- Oh, Rob Riggle. We forgot Rob Riggle was no, in there, too. No, you said Rob Riggle. No, no, no. In the, when we were listing all of them. Oh. Eight people have played Colonel Sanders in two years. Why do you need to spend, like, $60 million on ads? Give that money to people. That's four colonels a year. <laughs> we get four new colonels every year. Oh, my God. Too many colonels. All right, that's the end of the podcast. Bye, Tom. I'll yeah. see you later. I'm going to go. Peace out, Liam. Catch you later. Catch us next week. I mean, just no. Actually, we don't do that. At the end of every podcast, we have a fun little segment that we like to call Self Care Corner. Because sometimes in this podcast, we talk about rough stuff or sad things, like uh, good people kind of getting harassed by their fans, um, or or advertising that costs sixty million dollars. Give that money to human beings trying to stay alive in America. In 2017 anyways um and so we like to balance that out by just talking about like a nice good thing that happened in our lives and uh this week i guess i'll go first go for it uh yeah today i was on my way to a staff meeting that took two fucking hours and <laughs> that is not the soccer corner um but on the way there's this dude who who asks you know like people with signs saying like oh like i need money or whatever and i've given him money a few times and the light was red and so i I gave him some money and then he just kind of like while we were waiting for the light to change we just kind of just like talked like he was like oh hey hey man like i recognize you i'm juan nice to meet you uh and we just talked he was like you got a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) um and we just had a juan yeah we just had a pleasant conversation so i i I made a I made a friend today, and that's my self care corner. So my self care corner is earlier when I was trying to chase down this cat that had escaped. I was freaking out because I didn't, you know, I wanted to get the cat back inside, and it was like in this yard next to the house, and I was just waiting for. I didn't know what to do, and then someone walked by and I asked if they could watch the cat while I ran inside and grabbed like a toy and and the harness and stuff. (laughs) And then I let it back in using that and it worked. Nice. So uh, my self-care corner is my own ingenuity. There you go. You're a regular cat whisperer, Liam. I'm the MacGyver of getting cats back indoors. All right. That brings us to the end of another episode of Media Majors. Quick plugs. Follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Uh, Like the page on facebook that's the major casts network uh you can email us at media majors podcast at gmail.com 
leave us a review on iTunes. It doesn't have to be long. It can be just like a sentence long saying, hey, folks, love the oh, show. Oh, oh, we have, before we finish, we have a, a shout-out section. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shout-out section. They don't come a lot, but when they do, we like to give them a shout-out. We got a new Twitter follower. Yay! Uh, we are now being followed by Nardo at Nardo Games. So thanks for the follow, Nardo. Yeah, man. Cool. Like a YouTube personality follows us. That's awesome, and we love it. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody, to another episode of Media Majors. Tune in next week. We'll talk more about lathering up a kernel and chicken grease, maybe. Ooh. And remember, as always, we'll be there. You should say the thing, Liam. Oh, okay, cool. As always, <laughs> we'll be there. We'll be there for, for you. you. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.